Enjoy Sports Cage's Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person. Taxes included based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip. Welcome to the show. What a beautiful day outside. What a gorgeous day outside for October the 4th, 2022. We need just, what is it, about 45, 50 more days of this to get us to November 20th when the Riders win the Grey Cup on home turf. I love the smell of Grey Cup in the morning. Absolutely. I'm glad you edited that up like that. A smell of Grey Cup in the morning, and I can't wait for the Rough Riders to hoist the Grey Cup. You're all laughing on that side of the radio, but I don't care. I am holding out hope. That is the prediction I made a long time ago, and I'm predicting that still. Technically, the Riders just have to win three games, and then they'll... Or Four sorry, games. Four games. Yeah. Really, so four games. you got to beat Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. the two playoff games, and then the Grey Cup. Four juicy dubs, and then we got another banner. Hanning Zing, in Zinger, a mosaic stadium. Zinger, everybody wants everybody wants everybody fired right now. They're done. We've regressed. I'm I'm honestly asking this question right now. Okay, at nine three six sixty two sixty two, we'll have a couple of questions that you can text in on. Do you honestly think changes should be made, like wholesale changes? Maybe a couple. You know, you you move some players out. Obviously, maybe you tinker with your staff. But do you think wholesale changes are made or should be made, especially on the coaching or the GM side and that stuff? Because that's what people are talking about. Because when, you know, we have Jeremy O'Day today address the media and everybody's like, why didn't anybody ask him what he's going to do in his next career and all this stuff, things like that. If they get to the Eastern final, Zinger, and it's a competitive game, okay? Yes, I'm with you. Do they, do they, that's three years in a row where they got one game away from the Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. Are we firing Love everybody? Love the smell of it in the morning. Are we firing everybody? No. Like, do we fire everybody? I don't think so. My like, my whole thing right now is why not just have? If I'm a fan sitting, and that's all I am at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm just a, I'm just a dumb fan sitting yeah. here. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, why not just be positive about the situation we're in right now? Do you know what? We we've been talking so negative the past couple of weeks right, because it's mentality here too. You're right. Huh? Do you know what? Let, let let's just be like. Do you know what? Like we we're gonna beat the Hamilton we Tabbies, yeah, and then we're gonna win a couple playoff games. Like we're in the same situation as Calgary and BC would be in. They still have to win two games on the west side. Yeah, we're gonna win our two games in the and, east. And we're the... gonna go to the Grey Cup. We're gonna smell it in the morning, and then we're gonna win the damn thing. So, so here's a question for you: <laughs> Smell it in the morning, every morning, when you get to the playoffs. Yeah. Does everybody's record set to zero and zero? Absolutely. It's zero and zero. Yeah. What was All, it? 81 Rough Riders? They had five five dubs? No, the 81 Rough Riders had nine. No, 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 no Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. Ottawa was five and 13. Yeah, yeah. You didn't say it right. Rough Riders. Rough Ottawa, Riders. Rough Riders. Sorry. Not Rough Riders. Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and who, who can, a nine-team league, you can't pick a different name. Give me a break. This league has always done things different. Um, so, yeah, lots going on today. By the way, today's show is brought to you by Chess. 
a game you thought was boring until you learned that you can cheat by using vibrating beads put in interesting places. Oh, what did I just hear? <laughs> <laughs> the show is actually brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. Yeah, like, honestly, honestly, I really believe... We just got to find a way to win that game. We got to win a game and get on a roll. Feeling good about ourselves. I went nerd mode the other night. Yeah. I went nerd mode. I dove into all the scenarios. Yeah. And I came I saw up. saw that. Yeah. I came up with this. The Riders beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Friday. The Riders can lose the last two games against the Stamps. They don't matter because Hamilton just needs to lose one more game after this Rider game. Yeah. So say that happens. And Ottawa just needs to lose one out of the last four. And by the way, Hamilton and Ottawa play each other twice. Yeah. And so, you don't think Ottawa's going to play hard for the new interim coach, Bob Dice, who wants a legitimate shot to yeah. be a head coach? I, I, absolutely. We win the game on Friday. We're, we're in, in the, the playoffs. playoffs. Yeah. Then we go to Montreal. And we didn't play well there this year earlier, but it was on a short week after we played Edmonton and our quarterback was banged up and we lost Dan Clark, remember? Mm-hmm. So... We go to Montreal. I firmly believe, confidently, that we can beat Montreal. Then it's a coin flip game against Toronto, and it's very tough to beat a team three times in one season. And if I have to pick, barely, but I'm taking Cody Fajardo over McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Yeah, why not? In one game. And then we go to the Grey Cup. Tell the boys... Tell the boys you got one game to get to your own great cup, and you don't think that is enough? That is enough juice to set, do something that's never been done before by Canada's team? Mm. And you can't tell me the CFL doesn't want the Riders in their own great cup. Mm. They, you know they do. Mm. Anyway. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Let's so, get this show rolling. And we are going to get it rolling. Jeremy O'Day addressed the media today. Uh, I think we got his audio, if I'm not mistaken, Zinger. Oh, yes. Do you have that? Mm. You're going to find it for us? Sorry. Sorry. My fault. My bad. You got it there for us? Yes. Okay. You got Jeremy O'Day's audio. Uh, He addressed the media before practice because the trade deadline goes down tomorrow. Yeah, you, you hit the uh, the nail right on the on the head there. We're you know expectations coming into the year. You're at, at this time of the year, you want to be in a, a different position, right? You want to be fighting for uh, home playoff games, and that's something that we've we've done in the past. So it's uh, obviously uh, disappointed that you're in the situation that you're in, um, but you're also understanding that we still have a, a chance to get to our ultimate goal, right? So. Would the uh, the Bombers made a trade today? Are you expecting to be active at all this trade deadline or? Um, you know, the trade deadline's interesting. It's a lot different than any other league, right? So um, we, we don't sit uh, sit and wait for the trade deadline and they go, okay, there's a trade deadline, let's start making trades, right? So, But you, you always understand that at a certain point you're not going to be able to make any trades anymore. So, um, you know, I, I would say that we've, we've had conversations and we've been in communications with other teams. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any uh, trades that are happening for us uh, before the before the deadline here, uh, bearing something that changes at the last minute. But um, those discussions happen every year, and it's not just because the trade deadline's uh, happening tomorrow. It's it's throughout the year where we get uh, uh, give trade talks both both uh, on our guys and then also guys on other teams. But um, I don't anticipate anything happening before the deadline. Jeremy, can you put troubles this season on one thing, or was it just a perfect storm of one thing after another? Uh, well, it's, it's no doubt it's been a challenging season. We're we're not uh, we're not really good at making excuses for for what our record uh, is currently. So, 
Um, but you know, it's it, you're always going to face uh, face challenges throughout the season. I think that you know that we've we've obviously faced our fair share of them with with everything that's gone on throughout the season. Um, you, you want some adversity to happen. You don't you don't want as much as we that we face. But um, you know, like I said, hopefully we're we're, we're growing from that and, and we're learning from from everything that's gone through the season. And and, uh, and we just really need to make the push here in the playoffs. That's Jeremy O'Day addressing the media. He went on for a bit. Obviously, he doesn't. He, he's not going to say too much. But basically, it's this: this team is up against the cap. They are up against the cap. I had one fan ask me this: the reason why the Riders don't dress three quarterbacks for a game is it because of the salary cap? Because if they keep mm. one guy on the uh, on the IR, is that uh, you know the one game injured all the time? Does, he doesn't count against the cap. I have to look into that. But that's interesting. But yeah, I think it's because we got Nick Marshall. I think that's I, the reason. I, I why. agree. That's what I think too. But yeah, back to that. They're not making any moves because they're up against the cap, and they're they're not. Everybody says, well, "What about trade Duke Williams?" Duke Williams is hurt. His ankle is a mess, from what I'm told, and I don't know that he'll even be back playing this year. He certainly won't be back till after the bye. We coach said that yesterday. So uh, who else are we going to trade? Well, what else are you going to get? Now, here's my problem, though, Zinger. Mm. Here's the problem I have. I'll bring it up with Glenn Suter, okay? The only thing I didn't like about Coach Dickinson's thing yesterday when he was talking with us, and it's my fault for not challenging him, is this. There are how many players play in D1 football that that don't play professional football. And there is no XFL and there is no USFL right now, okay? Hundreds, uh, thousands. They're, like, I could tell you right now, watching my son's game on the weekend, Missouri State, coached by Bobby Petrino and our UND football team, there are offensive linemen that could play up here in the CFL. Big you, boys. You could find... Boys. Yeah, you could find... Not every Nebraska Cornhuskers on an NFL roster. You can't tell me you can't find offensive linemen. And it's been our Canadian... Evan Johnson struggled at times. Logan Bandy's trying to figure it out as a young offensive lineman. And Logan Furland's going to be great. He's not there yet, but he's figuring it out. He has a back injury. But it hasn't been our Canadians that have hurt us. It's been our American tackles. Now we got Cooper Richardson. That's great. But you can't tell me that if Lauderdale, Vaughn, or whoever else isn't working out at left tackle. We couldn't bring some more guys in. I failed. I I don't believe that. No. I can't remember what I was going to say now before, but I'm I'm totally with you on that one. <laughs> I mean, how many D1 schools is there, Ballsy? Well, it's unbelievable, man. Like, that's what I... I don't buy that narrative that we can, it's hard to get guys to come up. No, it isn't. Do they want to play football? Yes. Uh, do they want to... Uh, make a living playing football. Yes, not a great living at the start, but we need to, it, it's our tackles oh, that have hurt us. I remember now, uh, kind of piggybacking, piggybacking off of Jeremy O'Day, what he was saying. A lot of fans, they think that uh, in football, you can just like slide on in and make a trade. Like, this ain't hockey. This ain't baseball. It's different in football, okay? You bring a guy in, I mean, depending what position he plays, I mean, there's literally three games left here in the regular season. You're going to give a guy a big playbook when he's not accustomed to it. There's a lot of moving variables when it comes to that. To thing. me, it's uh, the trade deadline's too late. The trade deadline in the season's too late. Like you said, there are four games left. Like, what are you going to do? Or three games left. Yeah, what why, are you gonna do? why is the trade deadline no on idea. October 5th? I have no idea. That don't make sense. 3 p.m. Saskatchewan time, huh? I have no idea. I have that no idea. That don't make no sense. Uh, okay. Uh, 
Defensive Ooh, a lot back. Of text rolling. In. Good. Defensive back Alden Darby Jr., once again a member of the Blue Bombers after being dealt to the defending Grey Cup champs from Hamilton in exchange for defensive end Cedric Wilcotts, the second, who played against the Riders uh, last Friday, replacing Jackson Jeffcoat. The uh, U Sports football poll is out again. Western on top at 5 0. Oh, this angers me. Huskies are 5 0. Montreal Caravan at 4 0. Uh, they're number three at number four, Queens. 5 and 1 Lavelle Rouge Or at 4 and 1 the Ottawa GGs are 5 and 1 and 6 and the Rams who keep winning drop to 7th that's bs yeah why why are the Rams falling in the pool when all they do is win football games yeah and i'm telling you right now who's making these polls the can west is the toughest conference to win by a country mile i want to know who has a hand in these pools polls because that is uh, some malarkey, I'm yeah, telling you. Yeah, it is bad. Those are the only two Can West teams in the uh, and top And you're going to drop one in the rankings yeah. after a win? Yeah, after a win. Oh, these must be Eastern people doing okay, these Okay, this votes. is interesting. Miami quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has been told that he should retire from the NFL with immediate effects uh, after potentially, or immediately, pardon me, after suffering a potential... Uh, you know, effects to his head. Two concussions in just four days. And uh, the Dolphins have been highly criticized for their handling of the situation with a number of world-renowned neuroscientists warning of the dangers of the two, or of having two concussions in a short space of time. <laughs> the way I read that, I had a concussion. Anyway. <laughs> you okay, Paul? <laughs> uh, Bennett Amalu, who uh, was the guy on um, that Will Smith played in that movie, yeah. Concussion, yep. he's the guy that said Tua should retire He's the guy that had a lot of the findings for CTE. I think the doctor should retire. Um, the guy threw him out to the wolves. Tua should really look at it, though, man. Like, yeah, I know I he's not going to because he's 24 and he's driven. And it's the only life he knows. And he, he loves the fame and the fortune. And he wants to win a Super Bowl. And that You can't replace that in anything in life. So I get it. But... He has a good wage right now, and he can sue the NFL oh, their yeah. pants off and get millions out of it. Millions. Oh, yeah. Millions. He probably should, but uh, uh, you can't replace his passion and uh, desire to succeed with money, so that he probably won't. It's kind of like, I mean, it's not the same situation, but Zach Kolaris, we thought his brains were scrambled, and he came back, and he's fine now. Yeah. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that's the same for Tua Tagovailoa. I, I hope Tua doesn't come back for a while, though, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I'd give him the year off, to be honest. you got to rest those brains. Like they're want, scrambled right now. Two, to, two concussions and and within a week. Are you kidding me, dude? We're going to watch him. Selfishly, I want him to play against. Yeah, Justin he better Herbert. be playing. December we're going all the way down there to watch him. Yeah, Miami and the Chargers in L.A. <laughs> hey, uh, some uh, NHL news before we get back to football for a second. The Islanders have signed Matt Barzell to a Sean Kleisinger type of contract. Not it, quite. It's an eight-year contract extension. Average annual salary just over nine million a year. Hey, uh, Brady, Tam Brady, the Go oh, and his now? wife Giselle oh. have hired divorce lawyers. Apparently, oh. isn't that awesome? To Giselle know? just divorces the man because he comes out of retirement. Am I reading that between the lines correctly? You know what this means. If Brady's <laughs> wife dumps him, 
He's going to play till he's 90. Yeah. And don't think he can't keep playing. Like, think about this for a minute. He is 45 years old, and he is still ripping it up. He out threw Patrick Mahomes in a losing cause. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, almost 400 yards at 45. Listen, he's not playing in some picnic league in the front of the legislature on the grass. He's playing in the National Friggin' Football League at a high level at not 25. <laughs> Not 35, at 45. Do you know what I would do if I was Tom Brady? This would give me even more motivation to go win another Super Bowl, and then when I'm up on stage, I would grab the hottest-looking woman up there to pose for a picture, and Giselle will be at home being like, oh, it could be me, but now I'm not there anymore. Giselle Bungeon can find about 10 other men. I'm sure, or twenty or thirty. I, I'm just, I'm just sticking up for the football player. I know, player, but I, I will guess. tell you this. I will tell you this. You know what? No, I'm not, I don't want to stick up for Tom Brady. I know you I'm hate on Team him. Giselle. But at 45 <laughs> years old, I was thinking about this. Like when Damon Allen won the Grey Cup in 2004, when he came back from a broken leg and his Argos beat his old team that traded him the BC Lions. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 42, I was like, wow. And that was good. And that guy was smooth. And I like Damon Allen. But Tom Brady at 45. The only other one I can think of was when George Foreman in November of 1994 beat Michael Moore uh, when he was 45 years old to become the oldest champion in boxing. Wow. I thought you were going to drop a George Blanda on me because he played until he was like nah, 49. He, yeah, but he looked like he ate uh, Twinkies and smoked a pack a game. Yeah. Joe Montana, yeah, nice sideburns, though. I think Joe Montana stayed a little late with Kansas City. He looked pretty brittle at the end of his career mm. when he got lit up there in Buffalo. and Brett got Favre smoked. stayed a year too long, yeah, too. Yeah, he did. He uh, crumbled. I think Phillip Rivers left at a good time. When Rivers left with Indianapolis, he was 40, but it wasn't his fault they lost in that playoff game to Buffalo. He was still playing well. That's a good question. That's a good uh, little thought. Like, what's uh, an athlete that, you know, Took it one year too far, if you will. Michael Jordan, playing for the Wizards. Oh, God. I was happy Gretzky quit when he did. He was 38 when he quit, going on 39 in 1999. He was, I think he was still the highest scoring player on his team. He only had nine goals, but he had the most points playing for the Sad Sack Rangers. They asked him, Dave Hodge asked him, "Uh, why did you stop? And he said, well, nobody asked me to keep playing. (laughs) Imagine that. Nobody asked Wayne. Nobody tried to talk Wayne out of it. He said he would have played another year if he could have played with Pavel Burry. So that's interesting. Yeah. I still remember watching that last Gretzky game, 1999. Against the Auger and the yeah, Penguins. Yeah, I was a young man. And this was great from, by the way, two great stories coming out of Monday Night Football. Jimmy Garoppolo says, see a, see a Niner Nation, I'm done. <laughs> see you guys. It's been a blast. Yeah. Get surgery in March. Doesn't practice, doesn't take any number one reps in training camp, is off to the side working out, getting his shoulder back to speed, and now he's their quarterback. He is 7-0 and against the Rams as the quarterback for the 49ers. I said at the start of the year, 49ers and the Chargers in the Super Bowl, Jimmy G will take them there. I said that, and I will tell you this, it's just a little ahead of when I said it would happen. I thought Jimmy would take over about game six or seven. I think him not playing at all in training camp preseason, you know, or not as much, really benefits this dude. He's looking fresh. He's looking fine. Yeah, he he's, he's got a He's got a nice... Uh, bit of charisma in his bones right now. We're way past a break, but I want to bring this up. We're okay? having fun. Yeah. Now, with seconds remaining in the first half of last Monday night, last night's Monday night football game, a man ran onto the field at Levi Stadium carrying a pink smoke flare. <sighs> Goofball. As yellow-clad security staffers struggled to keep up, this is what happened. 
Bye. Fan is on the field, so we'll have a bit of a stoppage. And now some of the Rams players get involved. And uh, Bobby Wagner had had enough. He just took the fan down. I just saw somebody running on the field, and he looked like he wasn't supposed to be on the field. So I saw security was having a little problem, so I helped him out. Here you go. Oh, yeah. There he is. There he is. There he is. Not... Yes. Oh, yes. yes. That's what we're talking Wagner. about. Wagner. Bobby. A veteran. Right. Get him down. Now get Had out and tackle. let these guys take over. Oh. <laughs> I, love, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Eli and Peyton in terms of that. I watched the game, not the gimmicky stuff, but that's funny. Those guys, that's, Those what, a veteran funny dudes. Does. that's what a veteran does. And let's move on. <laughs> anyway, we'll take a it was break. Like a, yeah, it was a gender reveal or something. Something wasn't like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess he's having a baby girl. Yeah. Uh, it was. It, you know what? That took a little uh, genius on the fans' part. He won't part. be able to see his baby girl now because he'll be in prison or at least paying off all his bills. <laughs> yeah, Good no, job, man. Yeah, no baby pablum and diapers. <laughs> Can't afford diapers now. We're going to take a break and uh, check in quickly with Dante to carry of your Regina Pats uh, broadcast team as they made a trade. Get ready for game Wednesday in Brandon. This is the Sports Cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And three, quick throw, what a catch! Samuel stays upright! Terrific catch and run! One-on-one with Ramsey. Can't bring him down! Samuel, highlight reel! Touchdown! That was awesome. Now, I'm not sure Jimmy tried to throw it high to Debo. Samuel should have been picked off, but a great job by Debo down the field. Missed tackles by the Rams there. On Monday Night Football, uh, that is our clutch performance of the uh, day. Brought to you by Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. We'll get to some of your texts, and I want to get to a stadium debate. But first, Pats made a trade today. Let's hear from Dante DeCarry, a voice of the Pats. Welcome back to the Sports Cage on this beautiful Tuesday in downtown Regina. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, it's it, it's like baseball, football weather out there, but we're talking hockey now with the voice of the Regina Pats, Dante DeCaria. Here's the show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. And Dante, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. You guys make a big trade. Tell us about it. It's an exciting day to be a Regina Patton. You know what, Michael? I mean, to get a local player like Sam Maremba and to come here and potentially play into the top six, at least that's what John Paddock has in mind for him to come in this season, is just so exciting just for the community and for the, the organization itself. He's the seventh overall pick from 2020. Yeah, you could say he hasn't put up numbers because he only had 14 points last year, but uh, he's a player that is expected to be groomed into a, a top six player, an all-star potentially here in the Western Hockey League. So, I don't see John Paddock. He's, he always keeps his poker, say, poker face, and he had a smile on his face today at the ring, so I, I assume he's pretty happy. All right, so that is some good news, and like you said, anytime you can add some local flavor back, it always adds a nice little uh, element, kind of a feel-good story. Let's get your assessment on this team through five games. Uh, first off, uh, some of the positives. Well, to me, some of the positives has been the chemistry with that top line. I mean, Boy Vallis has six points. Connor Bedard has nine points, leading the Western Hockey League. I mean, hum, ho, ha, what else is new right there with five goals in five games? And then Tanner Howe has also had a really nice start to the season. Now, they're coming off a one-and-two road trip, but uh, they played really good on Saturday against Red Deer. I thought they deserved to get that win uh, despite losing 4-2. They, they played their game. They heavily outshot a top Red Deer team, which is important, but I mean, Red there just kind of outlasted them with their physicality, and uh, their goaltender played pretty well as well. But 
Uh, it's going to be a tough first half. I mean, I counted before the road trip. The Pats had 20 uh, road games uh, before Christmas. They're playing the majority of their games on the road, and especially in November, I think they have like two or three home games, which is just absolutely insane. So it's a good opportunity for a lot of these young players to step it up. As far as, you know, maybe more positives, I, I, I could see, you know, some players kind of starting to really come into their own, like Luke Bateman. And, and Parker Berg, I thought Berg's been the Pats' top defenseman. And then over the road trip, they added uh, two key players back from NHL camps, Alexander Suzelev and, and of course, Stanislav Polzo. Those two guys are going to have to be leaned upon to be big players this year. And in terms of uh, things you'd like to see them kind of clean up through five games, oh, yeah. I, I, and that's a small sample size, but what do you see in there? To me, they got to stay out of the penalty box. They lead the Western Hockey League in time shorthanded with 30 through five games. They're averaging, you know, five to six penalties per hockey game. And their penalty kill has been good. Last year, it was not good at all, running at 71%. This year, they're running at just about 80%, which is a positive. But um, they're just on special teams way too much. The power play hasn't necessarily found its groove just yet. And the penalty kill, yeah, it has been good, keeping the puck out of the net 80% of the time. But they're just in the box way too much. They're taking too many penalties and uh, they definitely need to stay out of the box. Yeah, and that just throws the chemistry, the in-game chemistry off, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, in some of the penalties they were taking, albeit fluke penalties, delay of game, two we met on the ice, stick penalties, interference, you know, roughing penalties and stuff like that. All right, that's Dante DiCaria. We uh, kind of had to cut that interview short. I taped it just before the show, and uh, we had a little technical glitch here in the building. So basically, the Pats get a local kid back in a trade. Got to stay out of the penalty box. Wednesday, they take on the Wheat Kings right here. Join Dante and Matt Calvert, the former NHLer, Brandon Wheat King, for the broadcast here on 620 CKRM. And we also have... <clears throat> Our uh, Pats game against the Winnipeg Ice here, the first of three in a row on home ice here. On Friday, the text line brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. Let's get to a couple texts here before a break. John and Hannah Alberta. <clears throat> Gotta clear my throat Home a Nickelback. Home a Nickelback, yes. Uh, wholesale changes are a terrible idea, John says. My suggestions, well, strengthen O-line. Work on Cody's footwork and dancing feet so he plants his feet to throw. And finally, get a couple bloodthirsty D-tackles, Johnson. <laughs> bloodthirsty. <laughs> that is hilarious. Bloodthirsty. We just got everybody wanted to run our bloodthirsty D-tackle out. The league, they didn't, I don't know this for a fact, but if you read between the lines, the league forced the riders to get rid of uh, Garrett Marino. Come on. So Garrett Marino. Garrett wow. Marino. You want a bloodthirsty? I don't disagree with you, John, but that's the funniest text of the day. They want to... That's why the Riders are sucking on defense right now. They don't have an interior push right now. Lanier's out with a concussion. Who knows if he ever comes back. And Marino got cut, and now you don't get a pass rush. It exposes some things on the back end. That's what's happening with this team. A domino effect, yes. if you will. Yes. We got Kelly on the text line says, hey guys, I think if you lose next week, you fire the coaching staff as well as Jeremy O'Day. If you win next week, then you hang on to everybody. Then you wait until either you are eliminated or you win the Grey Cup to make a final decision. Easy as pie, Kelly says. Well, what is it? Is it is it is it Grey Cup or fire people? Oh man, I I, I don't know. I just want to smell it in the morning on November twentieth. <laughs> we got Eli. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, when Calgary has an off year. Uh, they don't fire anyone. They reload and they carry on. It's called 
Toeing the line, Eli says. We don't want to start changing everyone every two years now. Be consistent. That's from Eli, not Manning, just Eli. Okay, uh, we'll take a break, come back with more text, and we're going to hear from a couple of riders here as we got a lot of audio from practice over the last couple of days. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. Want to weigh in? You can text us 936-6262 for Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our show is brought to you by our friends at uh, Saskatchewan Lotteries. So they're doing that whole review of Hockey Canada. They need to take a, all the dynamite in all the world and blow that puppy up. This from Andrea Skinner, who is the interim board chair on the prospect of removing Hockey Canada leaders from Rick Westhead at TSN. This is what she said. On the prospect of removing Hockey Canada leaders, quote, I think that will be very impactful in a negative way to our boys and girls who are playing hockey. Will the lights stay on in the rink? I don't know. We can't predict that. And to me, that's not a risk worth taking. What? What are you talking about? If people don't get fired <clears throat> for this, like what does a person what does a person need to do to get fired? Does it need to be like the next coming of, you know? There's nothing else that can happen. You need to close that thing up, change the name, replace everybody in charge, including that clueless moron that's the uh, interim chair. That is one of the dumb that the, the dude that said we need bloodthirst Kelly, mm. the dude that said we need bloodthirst Ke- yeah, bloodthirst Kelly, yeah. that's his name. Ke- bloodthirst <laughs> Kelly said we need blood bloodthirst uh, defensive lineman which we are already had and got rid of uh he is the funniest text of the day this lady andrea skinner is the dummy of the day like that is the dumbest Her twitter cover. needs to be revoked terrible. asap terrible hey i'll tell you what best receiver for- hey jeremy o'day's done nothing he's done absolutely nothing as name me one thing jeremy o'day's done okay i'll <laughs> oh he picked ksv in the fourth round out of guelph Pretty good. Who's our leading receiver? Let's hear from him. All right. Well, I guess KSB to start off with. Um, after uh, at this point of the season, can you take a positives after a game like that game against Winnipeg, where you guys were defeated on Friday? Yeah, that that's the best part about losing. You know, obviously you want to win the game, but when you lose, there's so much for you to just go back and learn and get better on. You know, there's obviously reasons for why we didn't win and why the offense wasn't successful. But that, that's the all part of the game is just being curious on ways how we could get better, ways we could learn to improve our game. So we're just always curious and just looking to get better. Was the mindset already on Saturday shifting towards Hamilton? Yep. The, the second that clock hit zero and we didn't get the win, the mindset has already shifted over to Hamilton. I guess after the first day of practice, what were the things you guys uh, needed to do today I guess to establish a good flow heading into this game against uh, Hamilton on Friday? Yeah, I, I think it's just doing all the little things right. You know, just being all 12 of us going out there and doing our own jobs. You know, at times people will try and do too much and try and take too much on their plate. It's just looking in the mirror and just finding what I could do better on. Is it the cliche playoff must-win game? Is that kind of the approach you guys got for Friday? Yeah, that, that's the approach every single game. Is it, any game could be your last game. So moving forward, we just got to carry that mentality and play like it could be our last. In the leading up to the game where you have a playoff game on Friday, is it any different in terms of the approach with practice? Do you like focus in more or do you just treat it as the same game in terms of uh, the practice leading up to the game? Yeah, our coach literally said today, if you are changing up your preparation now, then you've been doing it wrong all season long. So 
I'm preparing the same way I did at the start of the season to as I am now. And that's just 110% every single day. Uh, throughout the season, you know, you've had a couple of different type of games. Uh, like Friday, you had a lot of uh, deep ball games. Some games you've had a lot of uh, yak catches where you had um, you turn the short catches into long games. Do you have a preference in terms of do you prefer having a long touchdown grab or do you like turning those short catches into a long touchdown receptions? Any way to help the team win possible. I'm just looking to make plays anytime my name is called and be there to help when other teammates' names are called. So it's just giving 100% effort on every single play. You've been called to uh, play some running back this season. What's your thoughts about uh, you know when you line up at running back? Yeah, I, I, I take it with full responsibility, just as I've been playing running back my whole life. So I come in and do the extra work to help prepare me in order to be successful at that spot. Over the last year, uh, Debo Samuel has been lining up a lot of running back. Is that you know has he been like a guy like really emphasized in terms of more running backs or sorry wide receivers becoming running backs? Yeah, most definitely. He, he's kind of paved the way for receivers who are now transitioning into running back. It's, it's just, I think, when you got a playmaker, you just find any way to get the ball in their hands. And that's something the coaches trust me with. So, again, that just makes me want to work even harder. Over the last few weeks, uh, the rest of the receiving core has been kind of working their way back in the lineup. Shaq Evans, Kyron Moore, Braden Lenius. From your perspective, how have they done it over the last few weeks? Phenomenal. Those are all tremendous players and more importantly, tremendous leaders on the team. You know, those are guys that we all look up to and they continue to pave the way for us. So we're following their lead and we're hoping to make them better and they're always making us better. You mentioned everyone doing their job in terms of the 12 men in terms of uh, what you guys have to do for Friday. Is there anything else in particular you guys you think in terms of offensively you guys got to do on Friday against Hamilton? Score. We got to put some points up. Uh, establish the run game and just keep possession of the ball. You know, just wear their defense out, ground and pound, just to keep the defense, our defense off the field, give them a break. So anyway, we can kill that clock and just keep moving it down the field on them. And obviously, I'm sure you're, entering, you're going to be entering a hostile, intense atmosphere on Friday. Can you put into words how you guys can match the intensity on Friday? Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to match our intensity. You know, we're going to come out there and give it all we have our effort, that, that's something that you can never take away from us. That's something that this team brings every single day, and that's something that you never have to worry about with these guys, is that they're going to come out and give 100% effort. All right, thanks, KSB. Thank you very much. That's Key and Jay for Baker with her own Blaine Weiland. And we'll have a new look in the backfield, too. Shaq Cooper. Shaq Cooper is going to be wearing double zero, and he's ready to step in and take some uh, snaps. Here's what he had to say. Crazy, man. Crazy journey, you know. Um, you know, they say things happen for a reason. You know, um, I was blessed to get another opportunity to come play ball, you know. And, uh, you know, they gave me a call, and, you know, I'm now I'm back here. Is it nice to come back to a place that you've been at before and you know the playbook and kind of just hop in right away? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, um, I feel like I've been here the whole year just watching on TV, you know, talking to the guys throughout the year, you know, just hearing what's going on and, you know, just being in the system. So kind of used to it you know just being around the guys and it made me feel like I'm back at home so it's just part of being it's football man you know you know you try not to think about all the stuff that's going on try to go out there and do my job and make the best out of every you know opportunity and try to come on with the win you know um, just hopefully everybody on the same page you know um, so basically this is a playoff game this weekend you know so just go out there and do my job and make it happen you know What's it been like to go back and forth as often as you have this year? 
um, it's a roller coaster, man. It was a roller coaster, man. And you know, I was told this before when I first came out of college. You know, it's going to be a roller coaster. Just try to ride it and don't fall off. You know, so that's kind of the journey. You know, I've been riding a roller coaster, and now, you know, it's getting towards the end, but I'm still hanging on. You know, so. Kind of, a, how would you describe your riding style? What, what can fans expect from you? Um, pretty quick, dynamic, um, explosive. I feel like, uh, you know, similar to Frankie, Jamal. We all kind of the same, you know. Um, yeah, we all kind of the same. You could say. What's it like coming to a team that's had such success on the ground like the Riders have had? They're among the league leaders in terms of a rushing oh, yeah. attack. Yeah, um, like I've been here throughout camp, so I, I know what we got, you know, I know what type of team we have, I know what type of O-line we have, and, you know, I believe in them guys, and I got faith in them guys that they go go do their job, and the same with me, you know, they got faith in me, you know, hoping I do I do my job. Watching the team from a distance on TV or what have you, what's it like watching this team play when you had a taste of it this year, just get emotionally involved in it? Or? Yeah, you know, I'm home screaming at the TV sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's just like, so close you know you're so close every time you know you know a lot of people they watching outside in and it's the little stuff you know that we we probably was doing wrong that you guys don't see from the tv you know um and that play a part you know just executing every play and that, that was more of a problem you know going on all right when we come back zinger and i are calling an audible we were going to talk about the six players we like to watch in the league and then six players we like to watch on the riders we will uh maybe change that up to tomorrow uh glenn and i might touch on some of that today but you and i'll touch on that more tomorrow but we're going to talk about the best stadiums in the league okay because i'm getting into it with bomber fans and i want to i just want to talk about this okay legitimately i don't want to just say oh we're better than they suck i i legitimately want to talk about this this is the sports cage for saskatchewan lotteries on 620 ckrm it's 4.50 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. Let's talk some riders. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed their first-round draft pick from this year's global draft. Linebacker Jordan Jenmark Heath is making his way to Regina. Jenmark Heath, he attended rookie minicamp with the Kansas City Chiefs in the spring. He had a nice collegiate career with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and then the UCLA Bruins. Ballsy. It's kind of a fake global guy. Like, he's not a true Very global. Fake. It's not like they picked him up from Sweden or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Very fake. Yeah. Gotta love it, though. Yeah, I'll take uh, it. of course I'll love it. At least he might not be a mannequin on <laughs> yeah. the sidelines. So, um, I have the utmost respect for this legend. I grew up watching him, listening to him. I think he's an unbelievable broadcaster. This has nothing to do with his broadcasting. Bob Irving, the former voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He's up there as one of the greatest broadcasters in CFL history. But I follow him on Twitter. And he said, and it's in fairness, I went on to his Twitter. So it was me um, interjecting myself into his conversation. But he had said... Come out, Bombers fans. Uh, they, they play against Edmonton. Let's get another sellout uh, to, to the best stadium in the league. And I said, whoa, 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 Bob. You have the best team, not the best stadium. And he said, sorry, I'm wrong. And now people are going back and forth. So let's be honest about this. Let's not just make this a Saskatchewan-Winnipeg thing. I was just in Winnipeg. Truth be told, I love Winnipeg's 
ambiance in terms of their sound, the way they built it with the $20 roof and and the, the tin roof, it keeps everything in. It's closer to the field. It's more straight up. It feels like more of an NFL type of stadium in terms of that atmosphere as opposed to Mosaic Stadium. So I will give Winnipeg that. I don't know if they have the loudest fans, but the way that everything's constructed, they have the loudest stadium. And I like their atmosphere, and I'm glad they've jumped on the bandwagon for Winnipeg and they're liking them. If they ever go into the tank or lose four games, people won't go to the games because it's a bandwagon town. But, but... Uh, I'll give that to him. So let's let's rank these stadiums, Zinger. Let's go, no- let's go from nine yeah, first. At number nine, the dumpiest stadium in the league is the Montreal uh, Molson McGill, whatever. It's a dumpy stadium. Okay. It's a dumpy. It's a dump. It's got the, the 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 water was leaking on my papers. The thing's a dump. But I mean, it's not going to get any better. It's probably bigger than better than playing at the Big O. I wasn't there. If they ever get back to winning and get people going there, it, I'm I'm told it's a great atmosphere. It's in a great setting. Like, the setting's nice. Beautiful look at downtown Montreal. Stadium's a dump. Uh, atmosphere, eh, when I was there. So it's nine. Who do you got at nine? At number nine, see, I, I've never been to Molson Stadium. I've been to Montreal, but I've never been yeah. to the stadium. I have uh, McMahon Stadium at number That's nine. That's what I have at number eight. What do you have? It's a dump. It needs to be replaced. It's funny. Calgary's like, oh, we're the greatest city in Canada. <laughs> you got the crappiest hockey rink and the dumpiest football stadium. How about you sit in the corner and shut up? Yeah. I got I got uh, Montreal at eight, so yeah, okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, at number seven, I've got Commonwealth Stadium in Edmonton. Back in the day, it was great. They have jazzed it up. Victor Kui with the loungers in the end zone, which cost Duke Williams some of his CFL money. They've got the nice suites at the other end zone where the hoity-toity stand and drink like drinking area. But you're a million miles away. I'm going Edmonton at seven. I got Edmonton at seven as well. Okay, I've never been to the stadium, although I'm going on. Friday. Actually, sorry, I've been outside the stadium. It's in an old area. It's in an old part of Hamilton. I'm going with the Donut Box, Tim Hortons Field at number six. At number six, I have Ottawa. Now, I've never been to Ottawa. We haven't been there this year and probably won't be unless somehow they make a miraculous playoff run, which isn't going to happen. So, Ottawa, I heard is they've refurbished it. One side of the stadium is like newer and the other side is like Frank Clair Stadium. But it's in a great area, though, I heard. So, yeah. I heard the restaurants and everything around it is good. So, maybe that ups it for me. So, I... you. But like we're just talking building structure. Okay, so though. just so, building structure, okay, none of the other variables. Okay, so go Hamilton there. Okay, I'll go with you there. I'll go Ottawa six, and uh, then I put Toronto at uh, four and Hamilton at five. Yeah, I got uh, so Ottawa six. I have Hamilton at five, and I have Toronto at four. Yeah, that's good. That's what I go with too. Yeah, okay. I've never been to BMO, but you tell me it's a nice stadium. I've, I've seen a couple of Toronto FC games there, and it's it's perfect CFL stadium. You just gotta. It wasn't built for CFL because the end zones are, are a little shoulder uh, uh, shorter. Yeah, but uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So number three, the number three best stadium in the league, and weigh in at nine three six sixty two sixty two. If you've been in. Like, I'm not, this isn't a rivalry, eh? let's uh, get them mad at us. I have Winnipeg at three. We have the same list. Winnipeg, Winnipeg was rushed. They did things sloppily. They had to go back and fix it. The concourses are too narrow. I've always said this about IG Field. If you take away the roof, the canopy, if you take that away, like, that's what makes that stadium look like it's a big, fancy stadium. 
But like the actual structure of IG Field is not nice at all. And there's nobody can that can just sit there across from me and tell me face to face. If you've been to that stadium, you can't tell me that that is a nice looking stadium when you get inside of it compared to Mosaic. It's not even close. No. So it's I don't think it's the best stadium. It might have the best atmosphere. And the scoreboards are goofy. Oh, They're garbage. sitting on two yeah. long poles. Yeah. Who designed that thing? I got to look that up. The BC, the BC Lions have the second best stadium. It, they've refurbished it. It's nice. It's indoors. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, climate controlled. I, I like it. I yeah. like BC Place. Got yep. nice sound in there. Yep. They fixed the roof up. It's nice updated. scoreboard. Yeah. yeah, I like the BC Place Stadium, number two. And the best stadium in the league is Mosaic Stadium. Now, mm-hmm. it does lack character. It does act uh, lack a little bit of ambiance. Like, I think they let cowbells and other things into Winnipeg Stadium, IG Field. They should do the same thing here. We need a party, like, more of a party-like atmosphere at Mosaic, I believe. But the stadium itself, like, if you, you said it best off the air. If you took 100 people and you walked them in both, like, independent people, just sports fans, mm-hmm. not even CFL fans. Like Germans or something. Whatever. I've never and watched you, the game before. You plop, you plop them into our stadium. If you, listen, here you go. You bring the Raiders and the Packers for a preseason game to Regina, to Mosaic Stadium or Winnipeg Stadium, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Mosaic Stadium is better. Even for the players, because I've been downstairs where the Bisons and the and the Bombers share space. Mm-hmm. The Riders area is way better, mm-hmm. way better. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's not close. It's you just, might have, it's just facts. You've got the just best facts. team. You've got the best team. You've won the you Great Cup. You guys can't have it all over there at Winnipeg, yeah, okay? I mean, accept the facts. I mean, you sucked for 29 years, yeah. and, and you're good now for two years, so enjoy that. But your stadium might be the loudest. But it is not the best stadium. Now, but but hey, you've been to Banjo Bulls. You've been to Labor Day Classics. Give me an honest opinion at 936-6262. My vantage point, I like both vantage points for calling the game. The Bob, you know, the Bob Irving Media Center is awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey. yeah. like But we're talking like structure. We're talking like from the naked, naked eye, how does that stadium look? And compared to Mosaic's, not in the same ballpark. Not in the same ballpark. Sorry! When we come back, a chance for you to win a lottery ticket tonight for 70 million bucks plus 47 max millions. And, and, we got a little, some little uh, humor. We call it Tuesday Tidbits. Got some more rider stuff. Glenn Suter. So much to go in this show. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. I know we're all over the place when it comes to questions. We were asking you, what what do you be satisfied with in terms of not making many huge changes for the riders? I know we all want to win a Grey Cup championship. I get it. But is a Grey Cup or bust? If they don't win the Grey Cup or they're not in the Grey Cup, you fire everybody? Is that where it is? Because I think if the Riders make the playoffs, and I believe they will win Friday in Hamilton, which will basically put them on the doormat, doorstep, not the doormat, but the doorstep for the playoffs, even though they've been like doormats here. And I think they can win one against Calgary. I do think they can do that. So if we're at eight wins, we get to the playoffs, we beat Montreal in the East 
semifinal. If we're one game away from the Grey Cup, hmm. is that good enough? Does that appease Ryder Nation? Or do you want people fired? I, st- I still think Riders only need to win one game against Hamilton because I think that's going to be enough. Hamilton just needs to lose one more after that. Yeah, and- but I want 8 and 10 instead of 7 and 11. Uh, I want as close to 9 and 9 as we can get. Uh, I'm just saying that's all it will take. For them to get the crossover. Then the other thing we were talking about are stadiums. Because I was getting into it online with Bomber fans about what's the better stadium. And I'm not being a jerk. I like the atmosphere at IG Field. I like hanging around at IG Field. Okay, I like where I broadcast from. But let's be honest. If you took 100 independent fans and they walked around, they'd say Mosaic Stadium is the way, way better stadium. In fact, I got this uh, tweet from Mike... Uh, Drozdiak, he said, been listening to the stadium talk, Ballsy. Every Labor Day Bomber fans have literally told me their stadium's a piece of crap compared to Mosaic. Okay, let's get to uh, Joel, who's on the phone. Now, Joel from Weyburn lives in Winnipeg now and can literally see IG Field from where he lives. Is that right, Joel? That's correct. How are you doing, Joel? Good. Good. Yeah. You know, I have a condo that overlooks the University of Manitoba where the Bisons used to play. And we have six windows in the main room, four feet wide, ten feet high. But the one on the east side um, is four feet wide, ten feet high. And you can see the Bomber Stadium right there, right? Right. So, anyways, I've been a diehard Ryder fan my whole life. William Nolan, who's one of the honorary lifetime patron members yeah. from Saskatoon, he had six rider seasons from 1910 until 1989. He went to every grade cup from Anyways, I've been to, you know, the Banjo Bowl, and we haven't done well since I've moved there (laughs) 10 years ago. But it's not a bad stadium. Like, I personally believe Regina and Winnipeg have the best stadiums by far in the league. And, you know, what I'm con- more concerned about, you guys, is our offensive line is terrible right now. And so, you know, Cody Pajardo's turtling, you know, he's not scrambling out of the pocket. But if you got five receivers, I'd take a, uh, one or two receivers, even two, and put another running back or fullback, you know, in the backfield to block so he can get the 1,003 to throw the ball. Well, you know? so, some of it's the O-line, Joel, and some of it is Cody because Cody has been banged around like a pinata, and he, he like, for instance, there was a play where he takes a shotgun snap. He's in shotgun most of the time unless it's really short yardage. He waits, he waits, he waits. He rolls to his right, and then he throws it off into the flats for Keenan LaFrance for, like, a four-yard gain. If he steps up in the pocket, which was clean, he has a crossing route to I think it was Kyron Moore but because he's punch drunk or scared or seeing ghosts at times he is, if there are seven sacks in a game, the last time they gave up seven, eight sacks, five were on the O-line three were on Cody Fajardo and any coach will tell you that. So it's not just the O-line and I will say this, I'll stick up for those dudes in this sense. They did not give up any sacks against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No sacks in the last game. The O-line was not bad in the last game. That was not the fault. That was not the reason they lost that game. Not at all. You know why they're losing? You know why they're losing football games right now? Besides not making four or five plays, the defense is off. And you know why the defense is off? 
Because the guy everybody said was just an okay player. He's just an okay guy. Garrett Marino is gone. And Anthony Lanier II is gone. And we got no interior pass rush. So from the edges, it's easier to block because you're not concerned about the interior so much. So A.C. Leonard's not getting there as much. Pete Robertson's not getting there as much. Charleston Hughes isn't getting there as much. And you're being exposed on the back end for deep plays. That's what's happening to this team. Yeah, so when you're rushing four down linemen and they're getting no pressure, why do you go to three? With that linebacker core, when we got Larry Dean, I thought, hey, he was Defensive Player of the Year in the East in 2018-19, and then he tore his Achilles tendon, as you know. And then we got Sankey from Calgary. He was their middle linebacker, a hell of a linebacker, and Moncrief was playing our middle linebacker. I'd be blitzing one or two of those guys on second and long every time. Yeah, the problem is though. Problem is, problem, problem is though. Uh, problem is though. Okay, you just said it. If we're not, if we're sending three guys or we're sending four, not getting home, and they're getting open. Yes, the blitz can uh, can speed things up for the quarterback. Timely blitzes, but you can't do it that much because if you're not that confident in your secondary, then uh, then you're being exposed back there right now. So you'll be exposed even more. So it's kind of a it's kind of a chess match. And then when you got a quote unquote positionless defense that Shivers runs, you get 34 year old Larry Dean sometimes on 20 something year old Nick Dembski, and you're screwed. Just like we were in that game. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the 85-86 Chicago Bears were the best defensive team I've ever seen. They blitzed, I don't know how many of those, you know, other than the four down linemen. They got 11 players, as you know. And, uh, wow, they blitzed all the time. Buddy Ryan had a blitz in it. You know, Peter Brock went down there, and he got sacked like every play. Yeah, that's right. But they also had Duerson and a bunch of guys in their secondary that could cover. So that's yeah. the difference. I'm not yeah. cutting down our secondary, but they, that was a stud defense from the first player to the 11th player. Thanks for the call, Joel. We got to roll, okay? Okay, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Take care, man. Uh, hopefully we can beat Hamilton and do the crossover and get to the Great Cup. Yeah, right? that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. Hey, somebody want to win a lottery ticket with ball? and Zinger, okay? 936-6262 right now or toll-free 1-866-767-0620. We're going to play the answer. See, Zinger, you can wait for the calls. I want to uh, talk about some uh, other things going around in the world besides uh, sports. A couple things going on. that you know We're more than just sports here. Did you see this? TikTok has become the place for important life topic debates like this one. What's the correct way to put on your socks and shoes? <laughs> oh my god. Sounds like a dumb question, but thousands of people were voting on this. The consensus is sock sock shoe shoe then tie both at the end, followed by sock or followed by sock shoe sock shoe tie tie and then sock sock shoe tie shoe tie. I'm the first guy. I'm sock sock shoe shoe tie both at the end. Zinger are you sock sock Shoe, shoe, then tie both at the end? I don't have any routine, man, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I can't believe people actually pulled people on this. Okay, uh, we got a caller on the phone. Let's go to the phone line right now. Hi, who's this? Dan. Dan, how are you, Dan? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, Dan. You want to win millions of dollars tonight with Zinger and Ballsy? I sure do. <laughs> so do I. 
So the answer is C. This is a world-famous game sweeping the nation. Well, at least sweeping our sports cage control room. But here we go. So the answer is C. Unless you're a real dummy, Dan, it should be self it should be self-explanatory, Dan, okay? Here we go. Number one. Gotta get all three right. Remember, what's the name of the game, Dan? C. The answer is C. Can't even get that right. We are in trouble. Here we go, Dan. Jupiter and Saturn will be visible until A, the end of the month, B, the end of the year, or C, the drugs wear off. Uh, Let's go with C. Very good, very good. Uh, Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher say they have no A, closed doors in their home, B, issues in their marriage, or Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher said they have no C, idea how to make a good movie. Yeah, let's go with C. Yeah, very good, Dan, very good. You're all, I think you're catching on here, Dan. And this affects, right. this affects us locally. Uh, Ringo Starr canceled some concerts after coming, A, down with COVID, B, across some threats to his safety, or Ringo Starr, the famous Beatle, canceled a bunch of concerts recently after coming to see the realization it's not 1971. Yeah, let's go with Steve. Very good, Dan. Congratulations, Dan. <laughs> you are now uh, in. I'll text you the number or text you the ticket. I'll get your number from Zinger. You, me, and Zinger, a chance to win $70 million tonight. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that's beautiful, man. What's the most, <laughs> what's the most money you ever won? Maybe $10 on a lottery ticket. I won the Ryder Plaza of Honor dinner one, one year. $10,000. True story. I won ten grand one time. It's unreal. Nice. Anyway, you uh, you take care and hang on the phone, okay? We'll get your information, all right? Okay, thanks. Okay. Zinger, today's National Taco Day. Mm-hmm. That means tomorrow is I need a new colon day. Oh, boy. I love tacos. <laughs> uh, Taco Tuesday. Cheese, pri- cheese prices are jumping. People who eat cheese, you can't say the same thing about them. That's that's especially <laughs> you Wisconsin guys. Hey, hey. Uh, anyway, Man, cheese is good. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and uh, as I'm we a know, dad now. I can make those. Jokes. That's a, that's right, man. Uh, and the 49ers rolled over the Rams twenty-four to nine last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman called the game. Here's something I wanted to bring up. They spend millions. And I mean millions of dollars for those two to be in the broadcast booth. And I texted you. I'm like, why is the audio so loud? It's drowning these guys out. You learned that in Radio 101. You had to tell our great audio tech in Winnipeg to boost the crowd mic up because it sounded like I was calling a game from a bathroom. In the Walking Dead, you know? Yeah. The ghost town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pass is complete. Sound like there's nobody in the stands. That's right. So anyway, th- that crowd noise is key. And when you have it uh, drowning out the announcers, I don't know why. But maybe it's because people want him drowned out. There's a lot... It comforts me when people cut me down to know that even guys like Joe Buck, Joe Buck is probably the most hated play-by-play guy in North American pro sports, and I don't get it. I like Joe Buck, but people hate him. And I think, it, you know, in this show, we like to tie things together. So we've got Joe Buck, and we talked about Hannah Alberta earlier with the texter. Joe Buck and Nickelback. This is what we like to call Nickelbuck. Never made it as a wise man. I couldn't cut it as a poor man's team. I wish I knew which was longer, three eighths or 
A half or five-eighths? You played in the NFL. What's longer, a half or five-eighths? Or... Uh, five-eighths is a little longer there, Joe. This is how you remind me of what I really am. That is a disgusting act by Randy Moss. And it's unfortunate that we had that on our air live. That is disgusting by Randy Moss. This is how you remind me of what I really am. Had made 39 straight inside 40 yards. And you can't blame the announcer on that one, folks. I waited till after the miss. Ah, uh, no, we're going to blame you. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Bro- oh, I love this. It's third down! 34 from the 23. <laughs> Man, there's nothing like sitting in Nebraska listening to that. Oh, Memorial Stadium. I got I got to tell Shane the music guy that does music for the Rams games. Yeah. I want him to uh play this on key second downs. Or or for whom the bell tolls. Yeah. Dang dang. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, anyway, good. okay. So uh let's uh, get to some text here before we get to Actually, let's do this. 9366262 in town. Toll free out of town 18667670620. You want to go to the last Rough Rider game against the Calgary Stampeders? Bo Levi, uh, Levi Mitchell's last game as a Calgary Stampeder in Regina cuz he will not be traded. Take that off your plate. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to be trading Bo Levi Mitchell. Can't see it. Uh, so uh, you want to go to that game, call us right now at those numbers. You pick the score. You automatically get tickets. If you're closest to picking the score, you uh, will win a $200 gift card from Sastel and a chance, be in the running for a chance to uh, uh, watch a Ryder game in a suite next year. 936-6262 in town. Toll free out of town. one 767 Let's go to the phones right now. We'll do this live. It's like Nick Willendo walking across Niagara Falls without a without a net. I never like doing things live generally, but let's do it. Uh, who do we got here? What's your name? You got Ron from Karnak. Ron from Karnak. Hi, Ron. How are you, bud? How are you, Ron? Are you good? Can you hear me, Ron? I'm awesome. That's awesome. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. I got you, Ron. I got you, Ron. Okay, so Ron, uh, pick the score okay. for me, buddy. Who's winning that game, Riders or Hamilton? What's the score going to be? Riders thirty-one to twelve. Yeah, a beatdown in Steeltown. I love it. We're gonna, as Frank McChrystal would say, I'm gonna amend what he would say. He's gonna, we're gonna go in there. We're going to eat their donuts. We're going to win the game and leave the empty boxes in a parking lot. That's what we're going to do on Friday. I love the optimism, Ron and Kornak. Now, when we win that game and we secure a playoff spot, are we going to are we going to make a run in the playoffs, Ronnie? We are going to and uh we're going to uh be the Eastern team in the Grey Cup. Well, I like what you're saying, Ron, but that was a poor pregame speech. Say it again with some fire, Ron. Say it with some fire yeah, in the belly. Come on. We're going all the way. We're going to win the Great Cup. We're going to beat Winnipeg in Ryder Town. Give me a helmet. <laughs> I'm going to run through a wall Let's for go. Ron. Let's go, We don't Ron. need to finish this show. Let's That's go awesome, Ron. I love it. <laughs> I love it, Ronnie. Okay, so Ron, you uh, you uh, hang on the phone there. We'll get your information, okay? 
sure. Sounds good. Thanks, Ron. Awesome. I love, I love, we made Ron come out of his shoes there a little bit. I love, we're going to win at Ryder Town. I think that's Regina. <laughs> I think he meant Ryder Nation, but that's okay. It's Ryder Town, baby. Tell you what. Ryder die. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. They were actually throwing the ball to James Tuck on Friday. Let's hear it uh, from Mr. Tuck, number 49. I'm joined with uh, number 49 for the Saskatchewan Roughers, James Tuck. And James, uh, it's kind of a career night for you on Friday night, getting three receptions. How did it feel to get uh, a few receptions there on Friday? Oh, it was uh, it was enjoyable. It was fun to be uh, a part of the uh, passing game a little bit. Uh, although, you know, we enjoy doing the dirty work and blocking and, uh, and our, you know, establishing the run game. But uh, when, you know, anytime you can help the team out, is always, uh, it's always a fun thing to do. Do you get a little bit extra excited in the huddle when you hear possibly that, you know, your number might be called on a pass route? Uh, no, you just treat it like any other play. You know, we, we, we rep this stuff in practice and we're put in good positions to execute it. So you just kind of block that stuff out and just go out and execute the play. I know Cody was talking about uh, getting you more involved in the passing game around the Labor Day Classic. Has, uh, you know, uh, getting the, the fullbacks uh, some more reception, something you guys been working about in practice over the last few weeks? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, when we're out there, we, you know, often are expecting, you know, a run defense. So oftentimes if we switch it up, we might get a little bit of a different look on defense. And sometimes we are forgotten about out there. So it opens up uh, some passing opportunities. How much of the surprise element uh, helps you guys out in terms of fullbacks getting those pass receptions? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, every now and then you're going to be expected to win a route against a guy covering your man, whether you're sitting down in a zone making a good read. But, you know, like the one pass last week, you know, it was pretty much, you know, fake run, slip out, catch a pass. So the surprise factor was big on that one. Uh, from your perspective, being a fullback, uh, just get your thoughts about now. You guys are going to have to, it looks like you're going to have to go with a four different running back uh, this week. Uh, what's it like, you know, being the fullback? Uh, you're going to have a guard for a different running back this week. Uh, nothing changes for us. We prepare, you know, the same as always. The coaches put us in fantastic, uh, you know, positions to, to go out there and execute the game plan. So we're ready to go, you know, no matter who's at running back, we're going to give our best up effort up front, you know, to go block for them. And we know we're going to get their best as well. So we're just excited and it's a, it's a work day for us. So we're going to go out there and them hell with Shaq Cooper and Sean Wilson are they do you think they're very similar towards uh, the same style as uh, Jamal Morrow and uh, Frankie Hickson I believe so they're very quick you know fat, quick twitch fast they can hit the hole when it when it's there you know so uh, we have all the faith in the world in them and you know we just plan on going out there and executing I'm a big time 49ers fan so I spend a lot of time watching Kyle Juszczyk is that a guy you spend a lot of time watching yeah I watch a fair amount of him uh, when I do tune in and watch some NFL games he's uh, definitely someone I like to watch you know so there's a bunch of tight ends as well but uh, he's kind of the, the fullback version of that so he's, he's fun to watch did you get the, any ideas when he did that toast uh, toast step in a couple weeks ago no no ideas <laughs> no I didn't see it actually so uh. he didn't look like a fullback on that no, one no. sorry he, 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 he tends to look like a receiver and he blocks like a fullback and an old lineman so he's a heck of a player can you talk about the mood of this week, a transition from a tough loss in Winnipeg to a must-win game this week against Hamilton? It's just a work week. We know what's on the line. You know, uh, it's it's our first playoff game, and that's how we're treating it, right? So uh, we have everything to lose and everything to gain, so we're, we're going to go out there and just execute the game plan and, you know, try to play our best football. Is it kind of a different dynamic of the fact that this is a playoff game, but it's a non-playoff, uh, traditional playoff opponent being Hamilton, a team that you haven't faced since the beginning of the season? Uh, you know, we got some good film on them, you know, uh, from our week one game. And, you know, a lot's changed since then. But we got a whole season of film to watch on them and prepare. So we, we know what to expect. We know what to prepare for. So it's just about going out there and executing and, you know, not having any mental bus and just being fast and physical. Obviously, it's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, can you just talk about how you guys have to match the intensity, especially in the opening uh, minutes of that game? 
we just got to, you know, like I said, go out and execute, smack them in the mouth early and often. And, you know, if we get up, don't stop kind of thing. And if we get down, forget about it and, and, and go out and just recuperate and, and, and go out there and just go back to what, you know, we, we're trying to establish, you know, play hard, mistake free and just execute it. Uh, the thought about uh, going on the road, is there any thought that the fact that you guys are likely going to have to travel before coming back here for a great cup, it looks like you guys are going to have to take a lot of road games. Does it help the fact that this week's game, uh, a playoff game, that you guys are going to be playing on the road to start off? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. You know, you try not to think too far ahead, but, uh, you know, sometimes traveling to the East poses its own challenges, so it might be good practice for us. But, again, when you're going out and you're playing a game that's a must-win game, you, f you kind of tend to forget about those small things and you just want to focus on the game itself. It looks like this week you guys are going to have the same guys back at offensive line you had in Winnipeg. How big is that in terms of blocking? It's it's big, you know, just being out there with the same guys week in and week out and, you know, building that camaraderie and that, you know, the you know knowing what's going on, uh, it helps big and it comes with reps. So now that we got a full game of that and we have the same, like you said, the same group of guys, that, that should help going forward. Can you talk about, I guess, kind of the fullbacks working with the offensive line in terms of blocking? I know we know about guards and tackles working together, but can you talk about the process in terms of the fullbacks working together with the old line in terms of blocking? Um, yeah, you know, we'll, we're, we're, we're working with the tackles on outside zone, inside zone, stuff like that. Any sort of guard pulling schemes, we're working with them. So it's just a lot of reading, and uh, whether it's the defense we're reading or whether it's the guard pulling guard we're reading, seeing what they're doing, and we're just fitting off of them. So it's a lot of patience and then just be ready to fill the run. All right. Thanks, James. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to Blaine Weiland and James Tuck for joining us. Number 49 who's a great fullback and showed some nice skills catching the ball out of the backfield against Winnipeg. Hey, can we get to uh, some text there, Zinger? Um, our text line brought to you by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. It's humming. We've had a bunch of different topics, so go ahead. Yeah, we got Mark on the text line. says, well, if Jason Moss can't call a full game, with one touchdown and only 13 points last game. The Riders will not make the playoffs. And I need to, you know, turn my TV off, turn the radio off by halftime. So I think Jason Moss is the person that needs to go. That is, uh, sorry, that's Dave from Prince, uh, Prince Albert. Dave, Dave, Jason Moss has proven to be a good offensive coach through his whole career. So I don't think he got stupid overnight. Jason Moss doesn't miss a pass in the flats and easy layup to key in uh, Schaefer Baker for a touchdown that would have made it 17-17. Yeah, we have another text here regarding the stadiums. And this is a very good comparison, actually. This is from, uh, uh, where's the name? From Logan. He says, Zinger, I just got back from Raymond James Stadium, which is one of the dumps of the NFL. And it's very similar to the dump in Winnipeg, even with the tin lid. Mosaic wins hands down. And it's a very good comparison because if you take a look at Raymond James, yeah, it kind of has the same kind of like... Uh, um, layout as IG Field okay. does, so uh, the pirate ship in the end. Yeah, I mean, like uh, you know, between between uh, uh, the goal lines. Yeah, I can see where well, he's Singer, coming from. I don't, need, I don't need any. Like, I, I appreciate our listeners, but you are a well-traveled man when it comes to sports. Honestly, honestly, and you would say if it's not, I would say Mosaic Stadium is as close to an NFL type stadium as we have in this league. Yeah. There's no doubt with about it. With the concourse, with the big screen, with the sight lines, mm -hmm. with the areas you can stand up top. I'm not talking uh, uh, pill place. I'm talking pill country. I'm talking at the top, just outside the stands on the ends. Yeah, right? like I, I, you know, it's not my place. I don't want to brag or anything, but I have been to quite a few NFL stadiums, and and yes, Mosaic Stadium is like the equivalent to a mini NFL stadium, just to not as many people hold, but yeah. it's the exact same type of feel. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, we're going to take a break. We got press coverage on the way with Glenn Suter. Keep the text coming, 936-6262. We talk about firings. We talk about stadiums. Uh, riders aren't making any moves uh, at the trade deadline. No big shocker, but maybe you're mad about that. We want to hear everything. Do you like the show? Do you like us? Do you hate us? We want it all. Right Do you here. love me? <laughs> yeah. Please like me. I have bills to pay. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CKRM. And this is press coverage, as the man said, brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Suter, welcome back to the program. Appreciate you being here. Um, now, I'm not going to get you to weigh in on the stadium debate. That just sticks your foot in something that 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 I won't get you to do. But I do want to talk about uh, this, Okay. Uh, Zinger and I never touched on this earlier. He and I will maybe get into it a little more tomorrow. But I want to talk to you about some of the players that I like to watch in this league, okay? Number one, we just saw him. I don't care what team he plays on. I hate the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But this is the reason why we need a ratio. Nick Dembski. Nick Dembski is the best all-around offensive football player on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He's good at blocking. Um, I haven't seen him throw a pass, but I'm pretty sure he could do that as well. And the best thing about Nick Dembski is we don't, I love pointing out that he's Canadian, but he's so good we don't have to point out that he's Canadian. What I mean by that is if you put him on a field and didn't tell anybody who he was and put him just in a generic jersey and put him in front of a bunch of American coaches, they wouldn't know that he's Canadian or he's American. They couldn't tell the difference. And I'm not saying you can't with other guys, but what I'm getting at is, is it's like that guy is a football player, but if he doesn't have the ratio, he doesn't have an opportunity to play because nobody's going to take a Manitoba Bison over a guy from Mississippi. I don't care what anybody says. So that's right there, a shining example why we need a ratio. Well, and there's so many of them. I mean, that's a great one, and that's one of the best ones you could you could come up with. But I, I would take Andrew Harris in his prime. Um, Brady Oliveira right now is fantastic and fun to watch and works really hard. I think for the riders, you look at, you know, guys like um, Brayden Lenius and, and Keon Schaefer-Baker, who I think are outstanding. I mean, one of the best tackles, offensive linemen, and best right tackles in the game's history is Chris Van Zyl, McMaster kid. You know, and again, you're you're bang on right that without the Canadian ratio, Chris Fenzel probably doesn't get an opportunity to play. If he if he gets into a camp, he can show what he can do, and he's as good as any American tackle that has played that position in our league. But without the ratio, they don't go looking for him because it's just economics. I mean, you can go to you can go down to California, for instance, do a free agent camp, get a hundred guys to actually pay you to come and try out and pick 10 or 15 from that to take to your regular camp and you could do that in texas and florida and and california and those three trips cost you way less money than going to every single canadian university in our country and you know staying in touch with every single one of those coaches including junior programs now too by the way um so i i couldn't agree with you more and that's why i've always fought for it um you know, Michael, I've also seen the other the other side of it when you try to, as a father, parent, you're trying to get your, your kids set up in an American school. You know what that's like. Now, if your son comes out of that school, and let's say it's not the NFL, just 
he could he could be, but let's say it's not, and he goes into some other business in the United States. Well, I hope you have a big check. But well, I know you have a big checkbook. I mean, you're the host of the case, but <laughs> but you yeah, you know you go you 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 write a big check. You will write a big check to get lawyers, immigration lawyers. Um, you're going to have to try and you know classify him as my my kids were O one visa member O uh, one visa people, which means that's extraordinary talent that allows them to stay in the United States and work. It's very, very difficult. They protect Americans when it comes to... My, my daughter, I'll give you this, my, my daughter would try out in New York City, audition for, you know, let's say, I don't know, one of the big Broadway shows. And she'd get down to the final five people of over 80. 80 people trying for one spot. And she'd get down to the final five, and the people that were evaluating would look at her visa status and say, "Oh, you're an O one visa. Oh, we don't want that. We don't want that that headache. We don't want. We don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it." And that happened to her a ton. So I, I've seen it the other way, and that's why I will always stand tall and protect the Canadian ratio and Canadian content in our league. Another guy I like watching. And, and it's not just Canadians. I got some Americans on this list, but I love watching Curly Gittins Jr. He's the best receiver on a talented Toronto Argonauts receiving core. He is the best. I, I think he's been outstanding. I mean, looks fantastic. I haven't done a lot of Argo games. I, I did one last week, and then I did one, I want to say, almost two months earlier. Um, and he is just blossoming. He's just, again, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, Ray Elgard needed this. I needed it. Um, you know, Randy Ambrosi needed it. Sometimes you need, as a Canadian, a little bit more time because when you were growing up and you were six, seven, eight years old, you probably weren't playing football. You were, might might have been playing hockey, you might have been playing soccer, but probably not football till you got to high school. That's that's the difference. And then you you start talking about the uh, just how much how you know the resources that are that are are allocated to sports in high school in the States and college in high school in the States and the training facilities. I mean, you know firsthand Mm. at UND, their training facilities and indoor fields and all the stuff that they have for those athletes to be the best that they can be. And that's, that's that's where Americans come to camp and they might have a little edge and the Canadian needs a little bit more time to be seasoned and get ready. Well, to you, you you raise a good point. Uh, Randy was on here, as he is from time to time, uh, during training camp when the CBA was in the negotiating phase and when it fell through that time. And he came on and said, listen, I, I've often wondered, would I have made the CFL if I wasn't a Canadian? And I don't want people to live with that. Well, I got news for Randy Ambrosi, and I got news for Glenn Suter, and I got news for Nick Dembski and Brett Jones and Andrew Harris Elgard. and John Cornish and Elgard and Aldag and all of them. They're all, including yourself, excellent world-class professional football players, including Randy Ambrosi. But none of you would have made the CFL. Not one of you would have made the CFL without a ratio. And Randy Ambrosi would not be our commissioner if he didn't get a chance to play in the CFL, show what a talented offensive lineman he is. I think he's on the Ring of Honor too in Edmonton, if I'm not mistaken. And be the commissioner of the Canadian Football League. He wouldn't be the commissioner if there wasn't a ratio. And sometimes people forget about that. I even talked to, and I won't name them, but I talked to Canadians that play 
play with the riders or that played with the riders and say, I don't know about the ratio. Like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. You wouldn't have played without the ratio. So let's not be a prisoner of the moment. Oh, yeah. And, and let's be honest with ourselves when we look in the mirror. And again, this, this discussion has nothing to do with the talent of the player that you're talking to. It, not, it has nothing to do with the 40 time or the bench press test or, you know, his college background or college career. Some guys go down the States for college and come back and probably, you know, again, the numbers just dictate the 15,000 graduating seniors in Div 1 and Div 2 are coming out every year. Of those, of those, of that number and those players, 400 get a tryout through the draft or free agency in the NFL or CFL combined. 400 of 15,000 every year in Div 1 and 2. So those numbers alone mean you don't have to go to McMaster University if you're Jeremy O'Day and find the next Chris Van Zyle. You don't have to do that. You can go down to California or you can go to Texas. And there'll be tons of Chris Van Ziles down there. They're more sort of game-ready immediately than Chris was in his rookie year. But you had to build it. The other thing that no one talks about with the Canadian ratio, Michael, is the, you know, and I know the, the, the money is, is obviously apples and oranges when it comes to other pro sports. But the Canadian ratio has helped to, you know, strengthen the PA's resolve when it comes to making sure salaries keep getting bumped up. I mean, if, if there was no Canadian ratio, and you didn't have to pay sort of premium money for Dan Clark, then Dan Clark would be a minimum wage guy. You know, the old line would be minimum wage guys, you know, because that's what owners would do. But because the Canadian demand for the Canadian to fill your, your roster spots with the ratio, that Canadian will keep the owners and the publicly owned teams, presidents, honest when it comes to trying to make and get as much money as they can for the players. And I, and I know that debate has gone on for years and they need to get paid more and all that stuff. I don't want to go down that wormhole. But that the Canadian talent and finding it and nurturing it and bringing it along for a year or two um, without the ratio doesn't happen. You touched on something I want to talk about on the other side. Uh, we will be back with that in a moment. This is press coverage. On 620 CKRM in the sports cage. Press coverage with Glenn Suter continues. So we had Coach Craig Dickinson on on Monday. And I always love talking with him. He's pretty honest. I didn't challenge him on one thing, and I've been kicking myself since then. Um, he had mentioned in the interview that it's... We talked about the O-line, and I said, do you regret not putting Cooper Richardson in earlier in the season? Because he's kind of solidified that right tackle. Is he perfect? No, but he's better than what they've had earlier with Natai Rogers and Campbell and Josiah St. John. And he said, no, not really. And he said that the truth of the matter is with the USFL and XFL and bigger NFL practice rosters, um, it's harder to bring Americans up here. I, I don't agree with that because I watch American college football. Obviously, we've talked about it every Saturday. I watched Missouri State against UND on Saturday, and I can tell you there are some pretty big athletic boys playing in the offensive line, and I'm pretty sure NFL teams aren't going to scoop up all 10 of those offensive linemen. I have a tough time believing that you can't find American tackles, that there, there aren't a few of them kicking around down south. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with you because, again, you know, we just give you the straight pure numbers of graduating seniors coming out of football programs in Div 1 and 2. That doesn't even include Div 3. And sometimes a Div 3 player is, is as good as any pro you could have on your roster. So that adds another, what, a few thousand, mm. few thousand uh, potential players. So, yeah, I, I agree. And the other thing that I, I think people forget is if, if they're so much better and, and just because they're American and they played Div 1 makes them so much better, then why doesn't the rookie come up here and dominate at left tackle? Why doesn't the American tackles in our league dominate every game? You know, because they, they have to learn the game. They have to learn the yard off. They have to be great every play. They have to work on their weights. They, you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's, 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 not, it's not the talent that is, you know, um, that different. And, and, by the way, you're not going to see new NFL uh, recruits coming in that, that have been cut from the NFL. The NFL is going to – they've expanded their roster – and they're also going to keep players on, on practice rosters for a lot more money than, than you can get in Canada. So players are going to hang in there. But if that's the target for your team, like if, if your team, if Jeremy O'Day is just looking at guys that are sitting on practice rosters in the NFL because to him that's the only quality of player you can get, that's, that's, then he's making a huge mistake because there, is, there are other players that you bring up here that would fight and claw and be great, and they are 6'6", 350 pounds, and have played tackle their whole life since they were eight years old. So go find them. Yeah, like you, like you and I were talking about this before, doing some show prep. Like, what is it? Like fifteen thousand like graduating seniors. Uh, it, it, you know, just from Div One and Div Two every year, and, and and just a fraction of those players get tryouts. So you can't tell me that they're all packing it in. You can go f- like, look. Here's a famous one for you. Here's a famous one in our own backyard. Akeem Hicks got kicked out of LSU. He was working as a as a cable repairman or a cable like uh, setting up cable for people in Colorado, and Frank McChrystal through the pipelines got Akeem Hicks to come to Regina and play university football with the Regina Rams, and now he's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has made millions and millions of dollars. So if a university sports team can find a guy like that, pluck him off the cable truck. We can find guys. We just got to want to do it. If I was building the team suits, here's what I would do. I would tell Glenn Suter, I'm hiring you. Probably cost me more than probably cost me more than I'm willing to pay you because you're Tony Romo kind of money. But I would say, listen, suits, I'm going to give you $100,000, and I don't know what it would be with the cap, whatever, coaching cap, which, by the way, ridiculous, they cut that. But $100,000, Suter, and your job is to find me a quarterback somewhere and get me and we're going to set up some independent combines not in Shreveport not in Vegas not in Florida where we can have some fun and party and find some players and get them to pay we're going to go to Brandon we're going to go to Medicine Hat we're going to go to London Ontario and we're going to find those Canadians that fell through the cracks because guess what you win in this league with Canadians and quarterbacks it's never changed I, I agree, and you know, when if that's the assignment, then that's exactly what you're doing. You're setting up, an, up a network, and I, you know, I, I'm sure Jeremy O'Day has done something like this, where you set up a network 
with the Canadian schools and you are tracking every single one of the guys that are graduating that have a desire to play pro football beyond their college days. And as soon as they graduate, as soon as they're finished, no matter what that game is, Vanier Cup or not making playoffs, that guy is in discussions with the team. And the next thing you know, that that's one of the things that I, I think the league could, could use as, again, not fixing a broken league, but um, to expand the roster so that you could take starters off of the special teams, starting receivers, starting DBs, starting linebackers off of the special teams, but also having a developmental, you know, Canadian um, practice roster squad. I know there's practice rosters, but um, to expand that and try and get as many guys that, you know, they might have another job even, but they can make practice, they can make meetings, and they're in your system. Um, so, you know, I, I just – the athletes are out there, you know, if you lose one to the XFL, so what? So what? There's some guy in a gym that played at Alabama that is working for that one opportunity, and all you have to do is make that call, and he's ready to go. And and if he's not good enough, you cut him. No big deal. Suits, this will be a one-sentence answer because we've got 30 seconds left. Bo Levi Mitchell, is he in Calgary after the trade deadline? I think he will be, yes. I, I don't think they're going to trade him. If it, if it were me, I'd be taking all calls and possibly do it by tomorrow, but I don't think they will. I think somebody in need of a pass rusher should get uh, Lorenzo Malden the fourth. This guy's played on a crappy team all year, and he is uh, leading the league in sacks. I, I, I'd I snap him up if I needed pass rushing help from Ottawa. That's one I would like to see uh, move for his sake and for uh, a contender's sake. Thanks for the call, man. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Thursday, okay? All right, Michael. Take care. Have a good night. Take care, Glenn. Glenn Suter joining us. Press coverage. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Down Goes Brown columnist. That would be Sean McIndoe to wrap up the show, a two-part series talking about, uh, or or two-part segment, talking about uh, some interesting plot lines ahead. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, we got a fun interview to wrap up uh, the last half an hour of this show. Sean McIndoe from uh, Down Goes Brown. Great, great uh, column that he writes at The Athletic, and you can follow him on Twitter, that handle. Uh, thanks for taking my call today, Sean. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Uh, getting uh, pumped up for the season. I'm in the best shape of my life. Let's go. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. Okay, yeah. so you uh, had a great uh, column uh, down goes Brown, giving your picks. Uh, who are the NHL's most intriguing names to watch this season? I want to kind of focus uh, uh, Canadian-wise uh, with one exception here. Let's start with Matt Dumba of the Wild. His relative Al Dumba, former Pat on our uh, Regina Pat broadcast, and he's in a contract year. You put him down as the intriguing one for the Wild. Yeah, it's always interesting in, in hockey and in sports when a star player is in a contract year. And, and as I put in the column, I'm not completely sure that Matt Dumba is a star player. He's a very good player, certainly. But, you know, is he a guy that has reached that, that top tier of, of defensemen in the league? And I don't think we're actually sure. And that makes it even more intriguing because this is the contract year. This is his year to show it. If he has the best season of his career, uh, he's going to get paid big time. And uh, if he has less than that, then, then that has an impact, too. And you look at the team he's on, the Minnesota Wild, they love the kid, but they're they're in a real tough cap situation. And so if he has that great season, does he price himself out of Minnesota? And then you get into, if he prices himself out, 
is he a trade deadline guy? Is he a midseason trade guy? In which case, the lineup of teams that would want a guy like that is going to be real long. Lots of different ways this could play out, lots of different ways it could go. Uh, but it's real interesting to me, and a lot of it is, at this point, Matt Dumba, you go into the last year without a deal, you're betting on yourself. So let's see how it turns out. All right, so let's stay with defensemen. Let's go to Ottawa. Jake Sanderson, the son of former uh, NHLer Jeff Sanderson, Hartford, and a bunch of other teams. Uh, he was a top draft pick of the Sens. I watched him a few times down at UND. Real smooth hockey player. That's an interesting uh, name to watch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's again, always interesting to look at the rookies, and you got Owen Power coming in on the blue line as right. well. But Jake Sanderson's a guy really worth watching. Uh, he, he's, he's a high pick. He's been a well-high prospect, finished, the, finished out in, in college last year. Uh, so up here in Ottawa, they've been waiting to get a look at this kid. And, you know, the, the Ottawa Senators, all off season, lots of headlines, right? Lots of big moves. Alex Dabrinka, Claude Giroux, you know, a lot of talk about this is it. The Ottawa Senators have turned the corner. The thing is, they went out, they got themselves a goaltender, Cam Talbot, who's hurt. They got themselves a whole bunch of firepower up front. Didn't really do much on the blue line, and the blue line is the weakness on this team. And you look at them and kind of go, man, can you really make a playoff push when you've got this kind of blue line? Well, the answer to that might be how much of an impact can Jake Sanderson have. Rookie defensemen very rarely have a real big impact, but if he comes in on this blue line, it just plays well enough that he can nudge some of the veteran guys down a spot. It, that can fix a whole lot of problems because suddenly a guy who maybe is playing in your top two shouldn't be there. He moves down to a number three, and it, it works out a lot better. Or a guy who, who maybe should be a third-pairing guy doesn't have to play those second-pairing minutes. Uh, it can be more than one player with an impact if you bump a bunch of guys down. So up here in Ottawa, they're, they're really counting on this kid to come in and be as good as advertised. And, and I think he certainly will be. I, I'd be willing to bet he's going to be a star in this league. The question is how quickly can he do it? Can he do it this year when Ottawa is chasing an unlikely playoff spot? Sean, you astutely uh, write in this column, Down Goes Brown. Uh, just a couple of years ago, it was Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes? Who are we picking? Well, we know what McCarr's done. Has Hughes' stock slid? You know, I don't know if his stock has slipped so much as I would say his stock has not uh, risen to the same extent that certainly Kale McCarr. Because you're right, two years ago it was Hughes versus McCarr. Who you got? Who do you want? It was the Calder battle. And, and Kale McCarr feels like he's in a different stratosphere now. But not only him, but Adam Fox has won a Norris since then. It seems like right now everyone's looking at uh, Moritz Sider in Detroit and saying this is the next guy who's going to ascend that tier and is going to become maybe the Norris winner this year, Norris candidate. And it's almost like outside of Vancouver, we've not quite forgotten Quinn Hughes, but it feels like he's kind of settled into that next tier below, which is to say really, really good young defensemen, guys that any team in the league would love to have, but just not quite at that tier with those other guys, and maybe that's just who he is, and that's fine. But it was only a couple years ago. He was being mentioned in the exact same breath as all of those guys. If he gets back to that level, and it wouldn't take that big a boost. It's not It's not like we're talk, forecasting some enormous leap forward. We're just talking about a kid in his, in his early 20s taking that next step, and if that step's a little bit bigger than maybe we're projecting, and suddenly he gets back into that Makar, Fox, Sider range, that's going to have a huge impact on the Vancouver Canucks. You know, we talk about stocks. 
Yessi Pugliarvi of the Oilers is a guy where you're like, do I sell this stock? If I sell it, just watch. It's going to explode. But right now it's kind of just not doing very much. And, uh, you know, this is kind of timely because Dylan Holloway last night had three goals and a helper uh, playing uh, on, the, you know, in the top six forwards. And everybody's talking about his ascension could mean the door is open now for Pugliarvi to be uh, punted out that door. That's going to be very interesting here. It, it is, because we've been told the door was open all off season, right? In right. fact, at the end of last season, everybody looked at it and they said, well, it's they're going to have to move one of the two uh, the two younger guys. It's either going to be Pugliarvi or or, uh, or Yamamoto, and it's probably Pugliarvi. He's, he's gone, and they'll trade him, and then you sort of kind of waited, and you heard, oh, you know, maybe the market isn't great, maybe the offers aren't really there. They're not just going to give him away, not going to make a move for the sake of making a move, all those cliches. And then the whole summer came and went, and neither guy got moved. And now they're both there, and, and you sort of look at it, and you go, okay, we know this We know this kid has talent. We know he's a real high draft pick, high pedigree coming into the league as, as a prospect. It has not clicked in, in Edmonton, and at a certain point, you got to think maybe it's just never going to click. But you also look at this, and you say, is this maybe a guy coming in with a bit of a chip on his shoulder right now, with something to prove, going, man, I heard my name in the trade rumor all summer. You guys wanted to get rid of me, and apparently the other 31 teams weren't even willing to pay up to get me. I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. If that happens, look out. I mean, the Oilers are already stacked up front. If they if they get another guy who can play at, you know, forget about superstar, but just play in that very good second-line sort of guy uh, range, then uh, look out. They'll be near unstoppable. Now, the other the flip side of this is, does he come in? Is he sulking? Is his confidence down? Is he you know, sitting there going, man, they, they clearly don't want me here, at which point a team that is very good and is a cup contender but is pretty close to capped out has got $3 million sitting on the third line not doing all that much. You can't, can't stick around with a situation like that. So maybe they just go ahead and, and they bite the bullet and they say, we'll move him for whatever we can get. Or maybe they give him that chance, or maybe he forces him to give him that chance. There's a few ways that could break. Now, I'm an Oilers fan, so I hate the Calgary Flames, but man, am I intrigued by this. Daryl Sutter takes a swipe at uh, uh, Goudreau, saying that Huberto might be the best passer the Flames have ever had. Then he was asked about the difference between Toffoli and Kachuk, and he said one guy's had a long Stanley Cup playoff run. Uh, so this is my intriguing thing. You got, as you write, Goudreau? Kachuk, and then Huberto. They're all tied together in some form or fashion. I'm interested in this this season. Yeah, whenever I write this column every year, the, the my, my most intriguing players, there's always a few teams that are tough to find a guy. There's always a few teams. This was the easy one. This is You can't write this column without having these three guys on it. The three biggest names to switch teams in the offseason, and obviously they're all linked up, the two former Flames and then the guy who goes in uh, in the trade uh, for Matthew Kachuk. And, and I can't wait to see how it plays out. All three guys got big new contracts. Um, all three guys, new teams, new expectations, new pressure, and uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see with, with Jonathan Huberto. Had, had a monster season last year, uh, established a new record for you know assists by a, a left winger. You talk about being a, a great passer. Yeah, uh, the numbers back that up. This guy is, is a fantastic setup guy. question is, who's going to be pulling the trigger? Who's going to be converting those passes? And I, I'm really interested to see what the reaction is because, man, when, when the Matthew Kachuk situation broke, first of all, Johnny Gaudreau leaves, so Calgary is already devastated. Matthew Kachuk says, I want out too. All of us, and I include myself in this group, we all said there's no way the Calgary Flames 
don't get smoked on this trade. I mean, everybody knows that they got to move them. Everybody knows what's happening in Calgary. Man, they are really going to take a bath on this trade. And then the Florida Panthers come along and, to their credit, say, we want Matthew Kachuk. We'll meet your asking price. We're going to give up a big package. And everybody was really impressed by the fact that the Flames didn't get taken to the cleaners. But there is a difference between not getting taken to the cleaners and winning a trade. And I feel like a lot of us looked at it and said, okay, they won the trade. Well, oh, let's hold on a second here. Jonathan Huber knows a guy in his, into his late 20s now. They gave him a huge new contract. It has to work for him because otherwise they are locked in on a really, really big contract. Bigger contract than Matthew Kachuk got, bigger contract than Johnny Gaudreau got. He's the highest paid of those three, even though he's the oldest, even though he's maybe the guy who has the, the least upside for, uh, for the next seven, eight years, it, it might work. And Daryl Sutter's a smart guy. Daryl Sutter will make sure it's work. He'll be motivated to make sure it works. But if it doesn't, and if we, you know, Mackenzie Weger hasn't signed his contract yet, we don't know how that's going to go. Man, there, there's a wide range of outcomes in play for the Calgary Flames, and Jonathan, Jonathan Huberto is going to be right in the middle of that. So Rick Bonus takes over the Jets. That is... That it's it's weird in Winnipeg. It's a kind of it feels like it's a diseased locker room. Now they don't have a captain. I'm interested to see what happens. As you write uh, once again correctly, Rick Bonus and Kevin Chevelday off off ice stuff. The most interesting thing in Winnipeg. That that's it. The drama because you look at Winnipeg going into this off season, and we knew they needed a new coach, and we knew they were interested in Barry Trotz, and then that didn't happen. Now, Barry, from all accounts, they made the big offer. They, they, they did everything they could, and Barry Trotz just decided he didn't want to come back this year. So that's fine. Rick Bonus comes in, kind of felt like an underwhelming plan B sort of situation. Like, well, okay, you know, maybe we'll bring, it, we'll bring in the old guy, Rick Bonus, right? Let him coach for a year, maybe two, and then we see if Barry Trotz wants to come in. You know, it, it, we already kind of felt that. And it, you sort of felt like maybe Rick Bonus was just coming in as a placeholder just as a caretaker. The other thing we thought we knew about the Winnipeg Jets was that they were going to have to blow up the roster. I mean, clearly, Mark Shifley wanted out. There were other guys who who didn't seem happy there. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois got one eye on on the door, one eye on the train to Montreal. You're sitting there going, okay, they they can't run it back. After the season they just had, a couple of seasons, they're going to make a bunch of big moves. They don't make the big moves. They come back with pretty much the same roster, and then Rick Bonus comes in, and he strips the captaincy off of Blake Wheeler. And you're sitting there going, okay, that's not something you do when you're a placeholder. And you're sort of sitting there now looking around going, hey, you know, they brought the roster back. Maybe guys figure out that hey, this is what we got. We got to make it work. But if it gets bad, now you're looking at Rick Bonus going, you know what? I don't know if you're around a lot of old guys in your day-to-day life. <laughs> they tend not to have a lot of patience. And I'm starting to think Rick Bonus is sitting here going, man, this is my last job in the NHL. I'm not here to babysit. I'm not here to run a daycare. And if anybody wants to turn it into that, I'm going to take care of things. And it's going to be done you know, privately, you would think. Maybe publicly, who knows? They did it with Blake Wheeler. Uh, who knows where this can go? But if they're, you're looking around the league, if you're the sort of fan who goes, you know what, I love a good soap opera, kind of feels like Winnipeg is a prime candidate for that to be breaking out this year. Okay, lastly, Sean McIndoe from Down Goes Brown. Kyle Dubas of the Toronto Maple Leafs starts the season with the hottest seat by far. Like he is, his job's on the line here this year. 
Absolutely it is. And, and look, when it comes time to do the, the Maple Leafs, not to be a cliched Leaf fan who thinks everything about this team is interesting, but there's a ton of stuff <laughs> yeah. on this team that's interesting. You look at Matt Murray coming in with all of the pressure to replace Jack Campbell, uh, you know, all of the, the negative feedback from that trade uh, and that, that situation, how that played out. You look at Austin Matthews going into a year where he's going to be eligible for an extension next summer, all sorts of other things. But it all filters up to Kyle Dubas. It, it all filters up to him, and this is his team. And, man, he, he he was a big part of putting this core together. He has kept it together. He has bent over backwards to keep it together. He believes in these guys. He keeps saying, you know, next year's going to be the year. Uh, and then he goes out and he gets he gets uh, Matt Murray, Ilyas Samsonov, gambles, really, you have to say, on the goaltending, uh, the, the one position that's been a weakness for this team. And it really feels like he's bet his job, maybe bet his career as an NHL GM on this season and this goaltending, and these players, and this core. And, and you're sort of sitting there on the one hand, it is not hard at all to see this completely imploding. Uh, if the goaltending's not good, they get off to a slow start. I mean, they get injuries, that sort of thing. They've been pretty healthy over the last few years. Uh, and, and they go into the playoffs again, and they lose again. Uh, we know that there's going to be major changes. At the same time, you know, Matt Murray's looked real good in the preseason so far. The goaltending's looked good. And maybe these players, maybe these high-paid stars who Kyle Dubas has bent over backwards to support and pump up over the years, maybe they go, you know what, we owe this guy. This guy's job's on the line. We're going to go out and we're going to have the sort of season uh, that pays him back for everything that he's done for us, all the money he's put in our pocket, all those other stuff. Maybe that happens, and maybe we look back at the end of this year after the Toronto Maple Leafs have finally had that deep playoff run and say, you know what, the turning point was Kyle Dubas. He didn't panic. He didn't blow it up. He was calm and steady. He had the poker face, and it all worked out great. Or we're sitting there at the end of another early season exit going, well, Kyle Dubas is out of work, and who takes over the Maple Leafs now? I don't know that there is an in-between situation. It feels like it's got to be one of those or the other. Yeah, okay, I missed one here. The Canadians, Nick Suzuki has the captaincy and a big contract that, like you wrote, treats him like a star. Is he a star? That's the key. That's, uh, that's exactly it, and I know the answer from Montreal fans. I, I've known it for two years because every time I mention, you know, maybe the Montreal needs to go and get a top center. Maybe they need to do this. I get told, no, 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 no. We have a top center already. We've got Nick Suzuki. He is the number one center in the NHL, and we are locked in on this guy. And now they really are locked in. They've got him with the big contract, the long term. This is their guy. As I write in the column, he's, he's, he had 61 points last year, which was his career high. If that ends up being close to his ceiling, then the the Montreal Canadiens have locked themselves in long-term on a middle six guy and built a team around him. And, and it's probably not going to work out, especially in that market where we know, even though they love you now, eventually the expectations get high. Now, he's a young guy. There's no reason to think that that 61 points is his ceiling. And if it gets if that ceiling ends up being a little bit more, he can be a good two-way player. doesn't have to be a 100-point guy, but if he's a 70- or an 80-point guy playing a 200-foot game, suddenly it starts to look a bit better. Maybe the upside's even bigger than that. If he ends up being a 90-point guy, suddenly you're looking at that mm-hmm. big contract going, boy, that's great value. The Montreal Canadiens have a, really do have a legitimate number one guy locked up long-term. A lot of different ways it can go. We saw this with a lot of guys this offseason. Even though the, the salary cap is flat for a few more years, and you would think guys would say, I, I want a short-term deal, and then I want to try again when the cap's going up. A lot of young players signing these big, long deals. Some of them are going to work. 
Some of them aren't going to work for the teams, and some of them are going to work out amazingly. We don't know what it's going to be with Nick Suzuki yet. We know what Habs fans think is going to happen, but now we need to actually see it on the ice. It's time when you've got a contract like this. It's time to start ta- stop talking about the what-ifs and the hypotheticals and where somebody could be, and now with Nick Suzuki, we got to see it on the ice this year. They're hoping to get the Leon Dreisaitl effect where they get uh, a, a very uh, you know very good contract for a number of years because the Oilers That's hit the best. Hit- Best case scenario, yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay, and you uh, at uh, Down Go, Goes Brown here at The Athletic, you have uh, like a prediction uh, column just out, or you're asking people for their predictions, right? Yeah, this is this is the annual column. I do my own predictions. I had some already, some more coming out. This is the one where I ask you guys to do the predictions, and it, it's, it's usually a lot of fun. And the concept is I give you 10 questions, and they're easy questions, real easy questions. Just give me five teams that are definitely going to make the playoffs. All right, that's easy. Five teams that are going to miss, five coaches that are going to keep their jobs, stuff like that. Five guys will be in the top 15 of hard voting. Well, that's, you know, that's easy. We can all think of guys that are very obviously going to be the right answers to these questions but the trick is you give me as many answers as you want but you get even one wrong answer you take a zero for that question so just how confident are you and and this is something i I came up with a couple years ago because i kept looking at the nhl going man it always looks so easy before the puck drops it always looks so obvious and then the season happens and all sorts of crazy stuff and then people at the end of the year always go oh i saw that coming i knew the golden knights were going to go to the stanley (laughs) cup i knew the islanders were going to be great i knew this or that Hey, put it in writing. Let's go. Let's let's see how smart you are. Last year we had 1,600 entries, and I think there was one person who got over 50% of the points available. One person out of 1,600 got over 50% on the test. That's how tough the NHL is to predict. But if you think you're smarter than that, go ahead and check it out. Enter the contest. Free to enter. Uh, you know, all you got to do is, is give me your answers, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how smart we all are. Be like me. This guy is the reason why I got the Athletics subscri- uh, subscription. Down goes Brown, his weekly column there. You can check him out on Twitter as well. Sean McIndoe. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Right on. Thanks for having me. Join Sports Cages Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers, plus a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person, taxes included, based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip.